I pray that you guys enjoyed Travis and Allison today, didn't you? That honesty, yeah. You know, the uniqueness, there's not a lot of uniqueness. There is uniqueness in that story, but there's, but there's dysfunction in most, if not all, of our families at some point, aren't there? And how do we deal with that dysfunction? How do we walk through that? You know, for the next several weeks, we're going to be walking through a series, Family Matters, and what a great way for us to, to introduce this series, not only with, with uh, Travis and Allison um, beginning things off, but also having a dear friend of mine, uh, Dwight Bain here. Dwight and I have known each other 30-something years, a long time. Uh, he used to be here and I used to be skinny, if that means anything. So, um, but we are so thankful to have Dwight, Dwight here. He is, uh, he is founder of LifeWorks Counseling Group in uh, Orlando, but he does a lot of things for a lot of people. And we are very, very excited to have Dwight. Dwight, will you come today and would you lead us in our time? Thank you. Welcome a chance to do that. I was going to say, yeah, back when I had hair. And that's the, the, if you have a friend who's like a brother, you do life with that person. Because one of my favorite things is to be able to say, Jesus Christ changed my life. Jesus Christ changed my life. Because when you're able to realize, I need God. When you get to the place where God's all you have, you'll find God's all you need, the old song says. But you can't get there until you realize that you need to change. So as Sid said, I'm a counselor, and I just think it would be good therapy. Turn to somebody next to you, especially if you're related to them. Look them dead in the eye and say, you need to change. Just try that. I think it's good therapy. You need to change. Doesn't that feel good? To be able to come alongside and say, you need to change. And especially if you're a son or daughter, it's just like, oh, yes, I have been wanting to say that to my dad. Because <laughs> today we're talking, kicking off a series about parenting. And when we take a look at this, you'll see as they bring up the slide of a, a mom and a little baby. And I just want to ask you a question. What do you see, parents? What do you see? What do you see? Do you see a problem? Or do you see potential? And when I think about this, I'm going to hold up a measuring cup because I want you to see children as potential, capacity, and being able to parent toward capacity because it's how God sees us. God sees each child with potential and capacity. You maybe have even said that sometimes. Somebody will have a baby and, and you'll say, well, this child might change the world. That's right. God uses people. That's why children's ministry is so important. Because I learned in my earliest childhood, my parents saw potential, not a problem. I was blessed to be one of those people that had teenage parents. And I say blessed because they didn't know that they didn't know. So we went to the public library every week. And I pretty much still go to the public library every week. I was there yesterday. Love the library. 
Because if you don't know everything, there's a book that'll teach you. And they listened to Christian broadcasting. And they listened to a Christian psychologist named Clyde Naramore, who I had a chance even to interview once before he died. And Dr. Naramore was a Christian psychologist on the radio. So when I was nine years old, a salesman came to our house and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, Christian psychologist on the radio. I was in fourth grade. Because some wonderful people, I talked to my mom this morning. I said, mom, I won the parent lottery because you taught me potential. She said, what are you going to talk about? I said, just what you guys did. See potential, not a problem. Because when you see a child as potential, when you're able to see potential, it changes everything, right? So let me give you some basic principles. Bring up the next slide. The greatest joy in life or the greatest pain in life comes from family relationships. I'll say it again. Your greatest joy or your greatest pain will come from your family relationships. What if I have a really great job? Yeah, that's not bad, but your greatest joy or your greatest hurt come from the people that you live with. Home is the greatest learning center in our life. Most of what we know about parenting, marriage, money, most of what we learn about life, we learn from watching our parents. No pressure, right? Especially during COVID, maybe the toughest time to parent because moms and dads are trying to hold it together in a time it's really stressful. When I look at this, parents are God's stewards. So here's how it works, right? So here's the child and here's the parent. Oh, You're special. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose. I'm so glad that God sent you to our home, right? Because the parents are pouring in value. Now, what if somebody didn't have parents like mine who my whole life said special birth, special purpose? So I didn't really struggle with self-esteem until I had a relative who said, oh, that's May's little bastard child. Am I allowed to say that here? I guess I just did, didn't I? Whatever. It's in the Bible. It's in the King James. I'm reading from the NIV today. I'll switch over to the King James. Whoops. Keep it real. And I didn't know what that word was. I went home and said, Mom, what does that word mean? Because we didn't use bad language in our house. And I didn't see that relative again for about 20 years. Because I looked it up in Webster's and I said, what does that mean? She said, don't you worry about it. You had a special birth because God has a special purpose on your life. Wow. I'm glad she told me that or I wouldn't be here today. Because if you see the child as potential, well, that changes everything. Some children want to know about Jesus at an early age because they saw it in their parents. I was like that. James Dobson, the Christian psychologist, Dr. Dobson on the radio, was four years old when he wanted to be a Christian like his daddy. Do you think your kids see Jesus in you and want more Jesus because of what they see in you, mom and dad? I hope so. And then sometimes we forget. We forget what you'll see at the top of the slide from Andy Stanley. The greatest accomplishment in your life may not be something you do. It may be someone you raise. Isn't that a great thought? What if I'm not CEO? What if I'm not, you know, elected to the city council? My life isn't significant. No, sometimes the greatest thing you'll do is to raise kids who live out their potential as adults, who love the Lord, who make wise decisions and who they marry, how they manage their money. They take the faith that you poured into them and the life lessons you poured into them. They take the wisdom that you gave them 
and they go share it with the next generation. Well, that's success. They become good citizens. They vote and pay their taxes and raise good families. Sometimes the greatest thing that you and I will do is who we raise. But what if there's a problem? What if a child at age 17, two weeks after her 17th birthday, is pregnant? What do you do in that situation? Do you see a problem or do you see potential? A 17-year-old, her name was Jackie. She was not allowed to attend her high school graduation because she went to a school that said, oh, no, 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 no pregnant people at graduation. A lot of people made her feel ashamed, not her parents. She actually married the boy. He was 19. She was 17. She married him. Her mom had to sign because she was underage in their state. They actually went to Mexico. She and this 19-year-old, they were married for less than a year. Because of alcohol and rage, he left. And so now she's a single mom. She's 18 years old. What do you do? Take a look at the next slide. Because what you'll see is a young man named Mike and a little boy. Let me tell you about Mike. Mike was 16 years old with the clothes on his back when his parents put him on an airplane in Havana, Cuba to go visit relatives in the United States. Castro had taken over Cuba and they put him on a plane knowing we may never see our son again, but we want to get him out of a communist country. And at 16, he flew to a, a government facility in Delaware where they detained him as a political uh, person seeking political asylum to escape communist, uh, communist Cuba. He was there for a few weeks and then went to Catholic Social Services, a Catholic orphanage where he learned to speak English because he didn't know a word. And then from there, he did so well, those two years of school in the Catholic school, they, he won a scholarship to the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque where he met Jackie and he met Jeffrey. That's little Jeffrey. He was four years old when Mike met him. Mike and Jackie fell in love, got married, and he said, can I adopt Jeffrey? Would that be okay? And did, because the biological dad didn't see potential. The biological dad said, that's a problem. It's not my problem, it's her problem. And he ran off and literally would never see that child again. But Mike didn't see a problem. He saw potential. You know, it's your son. I would like him to be my son, too. Oh, yeah. There's a picture of his parents on the next slide. I think it's pretty cool. They're some of the richest people in the United States you've never heard of. That's Jackie and Mike. They're billionaires because they decided to pour into the potential of their son with character, with working at McDonald's. You want a car? <laughs> Good. McDonald's is right over here. They're hiring. Mike and Jackie had good jobs by then, but they didn't give him a free pass with money. You have to earn things. Now, how did they become some of the richest people? Well, they invested into his potential, into his character, into his work ethic, into him being a disciplined person who was responsible before they invested in his company. You'll see on the next slide, you'll kind of figure out who it is if you haven't already, because Jeffrey is Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world. And his parents, 
You'll see from Jeff's Twitter account, hey mom, thank you, I won the parent lottery with you. Because she was a 17 year old, single mom, divorced, pick a problem. And he's a refugee from Cuba? First generation American, pick a problem. But he said, Mike Bezos is my father. Thanks, Dad. Here's the point. Do you think the parents for seeing potential in Jeff before they invested in a company? A lot of parents invest in ideas their kids have. It doesn't become that successful. Or maybe the next slide will explain it better. Do you think the grandfather? Every summer from the age of four until 16, Jeff Bezos stayed on a farm with his grandpa, his mom's dad, who his whole life never shamed him, never blamed him, said, young man, you've got potential. His grandpa worked for the nuclear missile program. He was a rocket scientist. Now that's an impressive job, it didn't pay a lot. And every summer for 12 years, he taught his grandson. Listen to what Jeff said. One of the things that you learn in a rural area is self-reliance. People do everything themselves. That kind of self-reliance is something you can learn. And my grandfather was a huge role model for me. If something's broken, let's fix it. To get something new done, you have to be stubborn and focused to the point that others might find it unreasonable. And you'll see there a 16-year-old Jeff Bezos learning how to fix things. Is it any surprise that in his high school graduation speech in high school in Miami, that Jeff Bezos, the valedictorian, said, one day I want to invest in and invent space travel that would be affordable for everybody. Oh yeah, guess what he does today, along with Elon Musk and some others. Is it because he was just a dreamer? I think a lot of kids have the idea of being an astronaut. Or is it because someone, instead of seeing a problem, saw potential? So do you think the parent, thank the parents or the grandparents? Well, both. Because that little boy never saw himself as a problem child. He saw himself as someone with potential. And so as we take a look at this, let's look into God's word. Because there was another father. You'll see this in 1 Samuel 16. Another father that didn't see potential. A biological dad that didn't see the potential in his own child. God did. The dad missed it. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? since I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. First king in Israel was Saul. He's absolutely turned away from God. So God says to Samuel, let's go pick a king that will stay faithful and loyal to me. Samuel did what he what he is asked to do. How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And I love this. Samuel did what the Lord said. First and second, Samuel is named after a man who was dedicated to the Lord by his mother, Hannah, who was barren and she prayed and was given a son. She would go on and have other children, but Samuel, she dedicated to the Lord, just like what will happen here at Heritage. On Mother's Day, there will, people, there will be folks dedicating their babies to the Lord. My mom did that, and she was a teen mom, but she dedicated me to the Lord, to Christian service, 
at a Billy Graham crusade. I want, I want my boy to be in full-time Christian service. Oh, guess what I ended up doing? Wow. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Because if a parent sees potential, the child sees potential. What if the parent says, you're a problem, boy? You know what? You'll never amount to anything. You're just going to pick loser people. What if the parent tells the child that? Well, it takes potential. Kind of dumps it out. They can still find it in other places. They just won't find it from their parents. Samuel did what the Lord said. He was obedient. Consecrate yourselves. Come sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, that's the oldest, tall, strong, think NFL defensive end. He thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, no. And this is a key principle. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right? So people look at the outward appearance, the outside of the cup. God can see potential. God can see potential in you. What if you never had a parent? Like I was blessed to have parents who my whole life, special birth, special purpose. You were loved. God has a plan for you. We believe in you. How can we get you to mentors and coaches and, and internships and volunteer opportunities? They always gave me such wisdom. Because remember, they didn't have the benefit of a lot of education. But they had the benefit of the public library and a Christian radio station every single day with Bible teachers. So with the Bible and with some knowledge from the world system, you don't have to repeat. <laughs> this is so cool. You don't have to repeat the mistakes a lot of other people made because you can learn from their mistakes. So you don't have to repeat their mistake you can learn from their mistake. And that's good news because you may not live long enough to make all the mistakes by yourself. So you can learn from other people's mistakes. It's so handy because you read a book about what other people did and you can learn from their experience and then maybe not have that same problem in your own life. God said, don't look at the outward appearance. Look at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, had him pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one. Jesse has eight sons. He only brings seven to this feast. The youngest one, his name was David. Nobody even cared. There's no potential there. He's just the one that watches the animals. We left him at home watching the animals, babysitting. He, no, he's, if we're looking for potential, not David. So David's not there. Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen these. Are these all the sons you have? And look at what the father said, because in other places in scripture, we would see David talk about how his father never accepted him. Psalms 27.10, when my mother and father forsake me, because David had gone through that many times. When my parents forsake me, God will lift me up. David had potential, but his parents weren't the ones that were adding to it. Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep, watching the animals. Samuel said, send for him, for he will not sit down till he arrives. So he sent for him, had him brought in. He was glowing with health, had a fine appearance, handsome features, even though tradition tells us he's about five foot two, maybe, five one, five two. He's not very big at all. That's why the David and Goliath story in 1 Samuel 17, just a few verses from here, would be so significant. He's half of Goliath's size. 
But he was friendly, he was outgoing. And the Lord said, rise, anoint him. <laughs> this one has potential. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And I love this, 1 Samuel 16, 13. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. He was just out taking care of the animals. Mom and dad didn't even invite me to the fancy thing going on because they don't believe in me, so I'll just be out here taking care of the animals. But every little boy and every little girl, God says, oh, no, no, you've got potential. You've got potential. So how do we parent toward potential? We'll see it on the next slide. Parenting potential is based on value, not views. Now, here's the difference, and this is very important in today's day and age. Because views, you think you're right, but you could be wrong. So you spend a lot of energy fighting to be right. Have you seen that since the election? People who say, I'm right, and somebody else who goes, you're wrong. Let's fight about it. How does this solve any problems? It's the weirdest thing. Well, I'm going to yell louder than you, and I'm going to call you and your mom a bad name on Facebook, and that's going to really make you believe that my point of view, no, that's going to kind of make people think that you've got maybe a loose screw somewhere. If you get caught up in view, views the outside, you'll miss the value. You see, view, the priority is on expressing an opinion, not on parenting potential. Well, this is what my dad did with me. Okay, we all have a story. If that's what your dad did, did it, did it add value to your potential? You see, value, there's no fight on value. Because values are based on scripture and core beliefs. There's no fight when we add greater love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and patience and self-control. There's no fight. You know what? How can we help you build more kindness, hon? Now, I didn't say nice. In Christian circles, people use the word nice too much. And they'll say, well, you know, just be nice. Nice usually means scared of conflict. Listen, Jesus was not nice. The word nice is not in the Bible. Not a biblical word. It's a fear-based word. I'm afraid of conflict. And I say that because I grew up learning how to be nice. My parents were great, but sometimes I'd be in situations and I'd get caught up in the fog of being nice. Right? Here's a little counseling thing to remember. The fog, you know, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Fog is fear, obligation, and guilt. Because if people get caught up in fear, obligation, and guilt, they'll be roped into situations that they already cognitively know is maybe not the best idea. No, not nice, kind. Building the value of kindness, because it's a kindness to be able to say, I think you're making mistakes, but is there a way to be able to do that so that people can hear? Yeah, but you've got to change your mind. Remember we turned to somebody when we started and said, you need to change. Look what Jeff Bezos said about it. Because he reinvented the Amazon.com company in 2014 with artificial intelligence. And he didn't want to do it, but they showed him better data. It wasn't about, this is the way we do it. It was he learned from some of his staff, and Amazon became one of the biggest companies in the world. It's the biggest retail company in the world. And here's why. He said, people who are right a lot, they listen a lot. And they change their minds a lot. If you don't change your mind frequently, you're going to be wrong a lot. Well, why? Because things are changing pretty fast. So you just have to change with it. To be able to do that or to illustrate that, 
It's hard to parent since these have been invented because it complicates things. It's harder to parent today than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. There's more moving parts to it. But the good news is technology doesn't change the idea of potential. Let's look at it on the next slide. Because what would happen if parenting decisions were shaped by potential to become the person God designed them to be? And here's what's exciting, right? Parents would be able to say one of the, one of the hardest cuss words that children will ever hear, except it's not a cuss word, because parents will not be afraid to say the word no. And you say, well, you know, I want to say yes. I want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to like me. If you always give in, you create something called entitlement. And unless you have a really high level on your American Express card of credit, you're going to want to be able to say no because when they're six, it may not be that expensive. But if you always say yes, what do you want for, for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? You know, if you just keep giving and you never say no, what you'll create is entitlement. You will weaken a child. They won't reach their potential. Remember, Jeff Bezos had to work at McDonald's all the way through high school. You want fries with that? Because his parents said, if we just give you money, you didn't learn how to earn money. You learned how to spend my money. And, you know, checkout time is like, you know, 21. I mean, we've got to get you out the door. We, the goal is to help you reach your potential so you don't live here forever because you've got the life skills to go live a good life. To be able to do that, studying how to influence and shape growth, there are 39 key factors. You'll receive them when you leave today. If you're watching online, there are 39 factors you can download to be able to tell, is this child living their potential? Are they a, 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 an adult ready to face the world? There's 39, and they're great. Because sometimes, and I hope families will sit down and go through this, especially if they have older children, because one of them is driving patterns. Do you drive like a responsible adult? Because I've seen situations, Pastor said, where the daughter actually drives better than the dad. That, does that shock you? I mean, isn't that crazy? You know, sometimes if people will cut me off because I live in Orlando where there's traffic, and people will cut me off and I learn from my wife, it's so helpful. And instead of, you know, getting mad and yelling and saying they're number one in my own special way, <laughs> what I'll say is, wow! You drive almost as bad as I do. Because my wife helped me with that phrase. You know what I did? I started driving more careful instead of careless. Because sometimes when we look at 39 indicators, sometimes we'll see that a young man, a fifth grader, is better with organization and clutter than his mom. And you'll say, well, he, you know, he's supposed to, but I get a pass. No, no. the goal is for everybody to reach their potential. Because when you measure potential, it talks about things like tobacco and sugar. It talks about, are you living your potential to be physically healthy? Are you living your potential spiritually? Are you living your potential to be a person who really pays attention to managing their money? Dave Ramsey, I was at an event in Atlanta, and I heard Dave Ramsey say, I wouldn't have a job if Americans understood that credit cards are destroying their life. And student loans will be there for 25 years. He said, but because Americans don't get taught anything about money in school. You have to deal with money decisions every single day. But Dave said, because they don't teach it in the school, he said, I'll always have a job. There's over 600 people that work in Dave Ramsey's company now. And it wasn't even a company 20 years ago. Because more and more people are like, oh, my parents never taught me anything about money. So I had to make some mistakes and learn. Okay. But remember, we don't have to argue. In fact, you'll see on the next slide some key principles. 
if I'm parenting a child to reach potential, here's what's really exciting. We don't have to argue about that. I don't have to argue about helping you reach your potential. Because arguing does not make a relationship better. Usually arguing makes the relationship worse. And that could be if the teen daughter's arguing with mom or dad's arguing with the teen. Say, arguing doesn't make people really sit down and go, wow, you know, you screaming at me is really helping me get this. Thank you for calling me all those names. This is so helpful. I had no idea I was acting like an idiot until you were screaming at me about this. Well, that definitely makes me want to change my mind, mom. Thank you. <laughs> Two thumbs way up. Of course not. Arguing doesn't make it better, but arguing can end the relationship. And there are plenty of people who say, I can't wait until I'm old enough to get legally married, or I'm old enough to join the military, I'm old enough to get a student loan and get out of your house. And some of the people that go away to college are not going to get better education, they're going because free government money, except you have to pay it back, and it's a way to get away from their parents. I want people, student loans aren't the problem, bad decisions are the problem. Screaming at people is a problem. And so I want you to see this. If you're parenting potential, move from making a point, proving a point, to improving the relationship. Will this improve the relationship? Will what we're talking about help my child feel valued to make better decisions? Okay. You're going to have hard conversations. In fact, when that happens, you're going to have the potential for conflict. So you'll see on the next slide. There are issues right now, your family and in my family. I did it yesterday with one of our kids for two and a half hours, and it was glorious. We had a discussion. The discussions where both sides talk, not a shouting match. Both sides are saying, help me understand your point of view. Help me understand your point of view. A discussion, but you can't have that discussion until you turn this off. Because if this is on and people are like, yeah, I'm listening to you. <laughs> no, you're not. Those are designed to distract. So you turn off the technology, and remember, if you talk through it, you really can get through it, but a discussion is both sides are not interrupting. Look at the next one, debate. To debate is to really challenge the idea, and even really aggressively challenge an idea, but not attack a person. I'm just debating an idea. Oh yeah, good point, Rolf. Yeah, yeah. if you see something on a slide you like, please take a picture of it. Go home and, 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 and talk about it, and, and get better because of it. So we can debate an idea because we're going to look at the idea. And then I want you to debate it like a scientist, not like somebody who's a lawyer. Lawyers trying to win a case. And that's, you know, that's what lawyers do. But if you actually are like a scientist, you're going to look at both sides. And so if we're debating something with one of the kids, it's saying, is that really best to help you reach your potential? Is this a good use of time, energy, the resources that we have with money? A debate is to look at the idea and really go deep into how's that going to work, not I want to do it, right? I want to do it is the next one. That's a disagreement. It means you do exactly what I want 100% or I will never talk to you again. I'll hate you all my life. The cancel culture movement, you'll do it exactly what I want. Totally agree with me. There's no room for anything but 100% agreement with my idea, or I hate you, I'll never talk to you again the rest of my life. I will block you, unfriend you, and never have anything to do with you. And the mom is like, but you're only three years old. How are you going to pay your bills, right? <laughs> Being able to move past the disagreement to be able to see forward. You'll see it on the next slide. Seeing character. Is this going to build character in my daughter? Is this going to 
It's going to help my son reach his capacity. This idea that I'm entitled to my own opinion is true. Inside your head, you're entitled to think anything you want. Once it goes from your head to your mouth, you have to remember the three R's. Is it respectful? Is it responsible? Is it something that's relational? Is it reasonable? Right? Is this going to make my relationship with my family member better? Just ask yourself some questions because you're not entitled to disrespect. You're not entitled, entitled to deny reason or be irresponsible. Well, I want to do it because I want to do it. That's just irresponsible. And there's data that says, will drinking and driving really be a good plan? No, the data says otherwise. Will texting and driving be a good plan? Let's look it up, statefarm.com. Wow, guess what? Texting and driving is more dangerous than drinking and driving. Sleepy driving, which I have done with my wife poking me, I'll be, I'm awake, is more dangerous than drinking and driving. When she showed me the data, I stopped driving sleepy. We'll pull over to the day's end. Not worth dying over. Will this decision help you reach your potential or no? There are 39 factors, okay. But if I can see a child the way God sees the child, then I'm gonna see a gift, a treasure. I'm gonna see this is something important, right? It's not a burden, it's not a problem. So let me give you from Stanford, my research assistant, Hannah Jakovich, went to Stanford Pediatrics, Stanford Health out in California, and to their website and pulled up some data. So let's first look at babies. So what do I do to add value to babies? Don't scream at a baby. Their brain isn't developed enough to understand the words. As they start to toddle, right, about a year, they understand a, a few words like no, but they don't have a big vocabulary. So if you're really frustrated because of COVID and, and, and you're just upset, the little baby just understands how to feel upset. They don't understand much else. So hold them, rock them, comfort them. Babies need comfort. When I look at the next one, let's look at toddlers and preschoolers. If you shake them, if you scream at them, if you shout at them, they understand how to be scared. You say, stop it. Why are they understand how to be scared and you may end up in prison for domestic violence against a child. It doesn't, it doesn't help them reach their potential. Well, they're so stupid, they should know better. A lot of two-year-olds really are clumsy with motor skills and it wasn't because they were trying to spill the milk. That's why we put a tippy cup lid on it because they're, they're, they don't have motor skills. And that's what parents do, we help them. And how do we do it? We set limits, give them a lot of attention, right? Model the behavior you wanna see. Here's how we pick it up without spilling. Right? We're teaching. We're being able to say, okay, here's how I can add value. And then with toddlers and preschoolers, you give them choices. Do you want to eat the bananas first or the strawberries? I'm, I'm helping them learn how to think at that stage. What about early elementary? Right? With early elementary, you can use a skill called when then. It's a great parenting technique. The example is when you finish your homework, then you can watch your favorite show. When you've cleaned your room, then we can have a play date. You're looking for natural consequences that teach life so they can start to figure things out in first and second, third grade, fourth grade. Now, what you don't want to do is to, is to say a limit. If you don't get that done, remember, when you get it done, then certain things happen. That one's on them. But if I say, if you don't, then here's what I'm going to do because it's the coolest thing. Some little kids like to see their parents' blood pressure go up and the parents' face get real red. And it's like, let's just see if mom really will ship us off to China if we don't do that. Okay, mom, let's see if you're a threat. 
Reasonable, responsible, respectful. And that one goes both ways. What about teenagers? Teenagers would be like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. Never get in a debate with a teenager. They could win at the United States Supreme Court. Tweens love to debate because they've started to figure stuff out. So you don't get into, well, why do you want, you're gonna lose. I mean, just walk away, you know, step away from the car. Be calm, try to communicate because their, their brains aren't fully developed. So they'll lock in on one thing that may not make any sense at all, but you gotta calm things down to have a conversation. As you do that, you can get them away from, well, why won't you let me? You're gonna lose that. Put it over on, how would you suggest we do that? What would it take for that to happen? Put the burden on them to go look it up. And I did this, by the way, with a 15-year-old who said, I wanna go to summer studies abroad for one summer. He was 15 years old in Spain. And he mapped it out, laid it out. He showed the GPA. He showed where he could get scholarships, where the funding. And it took about six months. He did it so well. I told the parents, he's so responsible. He'll come away from this program, get a college scholarship, and did. And I said, you should let him go. Because he proved with data, like a scientist, not like a lawyer to win a point. Aha, I won. No, science, one of the great things about science, and what we're talking about is brain development and neuroscience being able to move the tweens over to teens. With teenagers, so much of the parenting is how you live. If you want them to be healthy with tobacco, make sure you're healthy with substances. Sugar's a substance. If you want them to be healthy and not texting and driving, make sure that you're healthy in how you drive an automobile. If you want them to be responsible with money decisions, make sure that you're sitting down showing them how to do a budget. It's really weird because with, with this group in particular, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, number one place that a lot of girls learn about sex is from pornography because their parents never one time talked to them about sex. So they do what teenage guys already knew how to do. Oh, sex, that's porn. Here's what sex is. No, that's what porn is. It's just shocking to me how many people I've talked to. I mean, people in their 40s and 50s who said, my parents to this day have not told me where babies came from. They preached at me a lot about my grades, but they never talked to me about boys or money or prescription drug addiction like my mom has. It's pretty interesting. Parents sometimes really want to talk about stuff that's not controversial, but with teenagers, you could save their life to talk about sex and money and substances and decisions. Why? Well, I want them to reach their potential. We're not gonna judge people, it's just, is that best for you to reach your potential? You know what, let's talk about what a loving relationship and the intimacy that God designed. But if you're afraid to talk, they're gonna learn from the culture and usually they're gonna learn things that will cause a lot of pain. There's one more group and it's young adults who are either in college or they're working, they're getting ready to launch into the adult world, they're no longer kids. You can't use kid-sized rules. But you will have house rules, and one of them is things cost money. It's the coolest thing. Well, I just wanted to live here forever with you because I love you so much. No, my goal is to get you to potential, 39 factors, and a few of them have to do with meaningful work. It's sad to me. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, a lot of America, in fact, sadly, the majority of America will go to jobs they do not enjoy because nobody taught them that you can find out a career that matters about 14, 15 years old, you can be on a really strong career path. 
If somebody showed you, I was blessed. I had parents who went to the library and listened to a lot of Christian broadcasting. So I was blessed. I went to college and I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I went to graduate school and postgrad. I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up because somebody had helped me when I was a teenager. Did somebody help you? Because if not, you can still go to the library. You can still learn. And we can talk openly about adult decisions and adult responsibilities. How? I love this phrase. Help me understand. See the dad and his son. If you're going to talk to a young adult, they're going to have very different views. Remember, views can start fights. I want to get to values. Help me understand how that's going to help. Help me understand how me paying for your car insurance when you're 25 makes sense for me. Well, I, I, I don't want to pay it. Okay, help me understand. <laughs> help me understand how that helps you because I could get hit by a truck and then who's going to pay your car insurance? Well, I'll just find somebody else to adopt me. I don't think at 25 that's going to work. What if you aren't parenting your own kids right now? What if you have shared custody? What if you're an empty nester? What if you're grandparents and you're raising stepkids from your adult daughter? What if you're living apart from family? What if you are foster family? What if you're dealing with really difficult family situations? You'll see on the next slide an actual situation that occurred in Panama City Beach in the summer of 2017. Roberta, her two sons were on boogie boards that they had gotten out of Walmart, and the boogie boards, they didn't know what a riptide was, and they were pulled out on the riptide. Roberta's husband ran out, gets caught in the riptide, her mom and she, and so they're in this riptide fighting against the current riptide winds. And a woman on the beach named Jessica said, they're gonna drown. It's six o'clock at night, the lifeguards have gone home, and she started screaming at people, form a human chain. I'm not gonna let those people drown. 80 people formed a human chain, locked arms to go rescue a family that was drowning. That's heritage. Not everybody grew up in a home where they had godly parents to help them reach their potential. But this church, every time in children's ministry when you say, I'm gonna speak into somebody else's son or daughter because maybe, maybe that family's struggling and suffering. You know what, I'm gonna go buy some of those barbecue sandwiches and help a kid go to youth camp that might not get to go. You know what, I'm gonna pour into the potential of the kids in this community because somebody blessed us and did that for us. This church can lock arms and reach out into a community where there are broken families and help bring them to the one thing that changes everything. Jesus Christ changed my life. And when we link arms for people with broken families to help their kids reach potential, I think it honors God. So there's one more slide and one more question. What do you see, parents? What do you see? Do you see a child with potential growing toward maturity? 39 factors of independent living skills ready to launch out into the world with strong values, managing their money, their career decisions, their relationships. Do you see potential or do you see a problem? Do you see kids the way God sees them? And if you do, then are you parenting toward that child's potential? I hope so. Pastor said, why don't you come and pray for us and close out our time? Would you thank Dwight this morning? Have you heard something this morning that sort of tweaked you just a little bit? Anything that sort of stuck out to you? Anything? 
Give me a little feedback. If not, I can call your name. What have you heard that sort of was significant? Something that you heard that, that, was, uh, that, 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 that sort of rolled around in your mind after you heard him speak? Anything specific? When and then? What else? Potential? Yeah. You guys have the ability to go because what you've heard, you're probably going to need to digest. Some of it you may want to run from because of the past, but we're not talking so much about the past as we are the future. So if we can think about where we've been, the mistakes that we've made, we don't have to stay there, but we can move ahead. And you know what helps us for that? First of all, recognizing the fact that we're sinners. Dwight started off that way, that all of us are a mess. But thank the Lord for Easter Sunday and the fact that we celebrated resurrected Savior, that we don't have to live in the past, but we can live in the comfort of his safety and knowing that we're his. Dwight, thank you for today for, for starting us off in a great way as we begin this, this series. Yeah. We'll make these resources available. Listen, there might be people within your family, friends that you want to send this to. You can direct them to the website. Uh, it will be there. Uh, this service will be as well as others. And we'll also some other resources. There was a resource that was on the table that you came in that you can get. Uh, make sure that's 39. It's 39 questions, right? 39 questions is your, to see if your child is reaching potential. But this is not to start a fight to see if, well, my husband doesn't pick up his socks. He's acting like a middle schooler. No, this is not about him. This is about your kids. <laughs> yeah. And there'll be some other resources. Um, I also want to invite you, if you've not yet signed up for Connect, if you're new to Heritage, would like to join us next week, next Sunday after the service, we will have Connect. You can join us and sign up by texting the word Connect to our text line, and we would love to have you join us for that, that special time. Listen, I'd like to pray over us this morning as we walk out in the rain, by the way, which it has been pouring all morning long. All morning, I've said, I've said several times, Lord, thank you, keep the lights on. Thank you, keep the lights on. And, uh, and we, we are very thankful that they have stayed on this morning. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to be in this place, to gather as, as your children, as people that are, that are seeking after you. Lord, I, I pray that one of the things that we're, t that we're taking away from here is, um, is Father, just the, the, the difficulties that we have, the, our sins, the past and the guilt and recognizing that we don't have to stay in those places. Um, Father, that we, can, that we can find out where we're missing the link and Father, begin now to begin to put those pieces together, recognizing that, that the foundation of a strong foundation begins with you and, and seeking after you. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a part of a church family that recognizes the potential Father, help us to, to move beyond just doing church, but recognizing that we are the church, that you've called us to be the light. And in those places of darkness, you've called us to shine brightly. May we do so faithfully. Father, may we, we do so with, with courage and with boldness. This community needs a church that lives that way. Father, I pray that we would be your light as we walk out today. May we be reminded of the responsibilities that we have as we walk through this series and we face and have to look, um, look directly into some tensions that we're, going to, that we're going to be discussing. Father, help us not to run from the truth, but to run to the truth, recognizing that you are the truth. That's what I pray. Help us to be your ambassadors. Thank you for Dwight. Would you continue to bless him, bless his ministry, 
continue to encourage him and his family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.